tell the listeners where we're going to be a week from tomorrow? Brasilia! <laughs> Brasilia, Sao Paulo. Yeah. I'm very excited. So I've had this journey with like the trip in terms of like the language situation. I went from like, oh, it's no big deal. I know Spanish. It's like pretty similar to like really freaking out about it. And now I'm back to like, it's no big deal. (laughs) Well, here's the thing, y'all. I don't speak Spanish or Portuguese. So it's also it's going to be okay because um yeah, because I'll I'll get I'll get us by with with our Spanish with my Spanish if uh, if we're in a sticky situation, but also sticky um, situation. a sticky situation. But I think it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be really good. They make apps now where you can like speak into the app. I know. I downloaded and one, and then it'll <laughs> say what you want to say in the language you selected. Whoa. I downloaded one. There you go. I'm very excited for us. I'm My- trying to be the mom friend, like hardcore. Anyway, what are we doing today? We're talking um, about calcium and dollars. Dollars. <laughs> for this movie, I sent Mia the milk glass emoji and a money bag emoji. There We're you doing go. milk money. Milk money. This movie's wild. Okay, IMDb synopsis. A group of young boys befriend a prostitute named V, played by Melanie Griffith. Young Frank and his pals get an idea for the ultimate in excitement. They decide to pool their savings, bicycle to the nearby big city, and hire some woman of the streets to strip for them. Who wrote this synopsis? Who wrote this? That sounds very judgmental. But I really feel like the plot for this movie should be pubescent boys are horny and dumb. (laughs) and this is i also feel like the entire premise of this movie goes out the window now because of internet porn (laughs) like right but i also don't get how they didn't have access to like i don't know a playboy or like a you know like are they really this sheltered for so many reasons this movie would never be made today i know we're gonna eventually cover all of background but So I also, I mean, so this is like, it's funny because this is season of crushes. And I feel like in the movies we've done so far and a lot of the other movies, we have like a preteen crush. I feel like the surprise of Milk Money is that the preteen crush is Ed Harris. (laughs) Did you feel that as a child, as I did? I don't think I did. Um, Okay. Definitely as I came into adulthood, though. Like, you know what it was for me? It was um, stepmom. Bru- I was just going to say that. Like, that was, I feel like that was. That was like five drug. years later, but it felt like 18 years later. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it was only I five years I later, but that's when I was like, Ooh. No, that scene with the, with the engagement ring. Mm. Why is he so potent? Like, what's up with that? He just has that it swagger. Has, so it's the way he carries himself. He carries himself like a man that knows what he's voice? doing. His voice is so sexy. And he's playing this like bumbling like weirdo a little bit in this movie, but like like he's written like a bumbling weirdo, but it's Ed Harris, so you're also like, I, I want that. Exactly. You can get it. <laughs> you can definitely get it. He's wearing like khakis and eating TV dinners, but I'm still really attracted to him. And he's like covered in mud. 
Because he knows how to repair cars, sort of. He does. He does. Sort of. <laughs> he knows how to repair them, but it does take him, like, the duration of the film. <laughs> to Conveniently for us, otherwise we wouldn't have been subject to 90 minutes of Ed Harris. <laughs> 110 minutes correction so the three friends are frank who's the protagonist who is a tiny little muffin you might also remember him from i think he's in the movie black sheep the chris farley movie um he plays his little friend or whatever and then i think he just like aged out of acting and doesn't act anymore did you look into that i didn't look into that i did not i should have brad played by adam lavorgna Who's Love the bad him. Boy. He was. He was. I thought. You know. He, he was, was cute. He was the one I was. If I had to pick one, he was. The of one. course. Of course. Of course. Because he wore a leather. Because I'm basic. At age twelve. Because I'm basic as fucking. He had a no. leather jacket. <laughs> no, because he was the hot one. He was the one. Yeah. And he was also like, I know a place where women are naked all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the city. <laughs> And what's hilarious, and so the third, the third boy, his name is Kevin, and the character's full name on IMDb is listed as Kevin Clean, as in, like, his last name is Clean, because he's obsessed with cleanliness. Aww. And Kevin is basically, like, a young Danny Tanner. Um, he has undiagnosed OCD, and he follows his friends around with a dustbuster. So there you go. That's the group, that's the group dynamic. So it's sort of like the very straight-laced one, the bad boy, and then Frank is sort of the in-betweener who we're supposed to relate to kind of thing. I have a question, like, now that we're talking about this opening scene. What I really feel like we missed out on in Brooklyn was tree houses. Did you know anyone with a tree house? No. Yes. There was, my dad had a work friend and his kids, they were in like, they were on Long Island or New Jersey or something though. So they had a tree house and it was amazing. And yeah. I used to love going over there and playing, but I was just like, got to go out to the suburbs for that son. You yeah. Know? No tree houses in Brooklyn. Although many trees do grow in Brooklyn. Yeah. And, and little just girls. One. Just one. Just the one tree. Just the one. Just the one tree. So Frank, Frank's a little sweetie pie. He, his mother died uh, in childbirth. And it's just been him and his father, Sexy Ed Harris, living in their house. And his dad, Ed Harris, is a science teacher. Yeah. At Uh the school. Yeah. Middle school. Um, And he and his friends are really obsessed with the idea of seeing a woman naked Again, even though, like, this was the 90s and I'm sure that there was some sort of, like, underground porn they could have found. They did try to watch a porno at some point in the movie, but they quote, they can't make out, like, what's happening <clears throat> while they're watching it. There's so many, the clo- <laughs> there are so many, actually, I'm about to take this in a dark place, but I'm in a dark place this week. I was sharing with Caitlin before our call. Mm. I've had a number of interactions and experiences this week that just have really made me centered on like race and racism. And so much of the construction of the narrative or like the like implicit narrative of this film is that like the suburbs are like this saccharine place full of white people that are like, you know, like good and pious and whatever. And so they have to go to the city, you know, where the poor people live to like find like a woman who's really showing her breasts, which is so fucking crazy. And to your point, no, like in the burbs, like there's drugs and there's porn. Like there's, that's what they got. There's like meth. That's that's what they got. The the burbs have, definitely have porn. They definitely have That's where meth thrives. That's where meth thrives in the suburbs. 
Um, if you all know anything about Cape Cod, by the way, which is like, cannot, that's not even the suburbs. It's like the sticks because it's so isolating. All you have is meth. Oh my so God, I didn't like, know really that there was a meth problem there. in Cape Cod. I don't want to hear there that. Is, Cape Cod like, is like my happy place. Um, it's my happy place Dawson's too. Dawson's Creek. What are you saying? <laughs> it's my happy place too. Um, and I feel like I've never seen. It's very like cloaked. You know what I mean? But because everything is like so far apart, like you can, it can be like very out of sight, out of mind there. But yeah, someone told me that year, like amongst the population that lives there year round, like there, at least at one time, there was like a big meth problem there. Anyway, we're getting dark. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and what was interesting to me is I was paying attention to this because I was trying to figure out what city it was. And or if they I was trying to figure out if they were like going to give us like clarity on that. And even the scene where they're in the city, I'm just like, this is also really white. <laughs> I was like, where are they? <laughs> like, right. So weird. they're in Middletown. Well, they're in Hollywood. Yeah. They're in Middletown. No where? state is named. That's just where they oh, are. Oh, okay. The suburb of Middletown. Okay. Did they, sh- they shot in Pittsburgh, I think. I feel like I read that somewhere. Mm. But I feel like they shot in a number of places. Anyway, some fictional city where women show their titties. Yeah, um, it was shot in and... Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and Lebanon, Ohio. Oh, all right. But it's set in an Ohio suburb named Middleton. Okay. Okay. Ohio. Fine. So these boys are gross. Um, Brad, the, do you remember that line like where Brad said like he saw his sister naked in the shower and he was like all excited about it? No. Why are you I looking at your sister naked in the shower? I definitely didn't hear that. <laughs> why are why are pubescent boys so gross? Well, that brings me to the bigger question. I don't know if we're introducing it too early. There's, you know, in watching the film, it was just really clear like could this movie be made in 2022? And I feel like every other minute there was evidence the answers are resounding no. <laughs> the movie is so problematic. Oh my god. And you're right. Like the the way that the way that the people in the town are so puritanical yeah. is wild. Like how they react to Melanie Griffith when she's just walking around like in a low cut dress is yeah. like pretty over the top. What was I saying? Or I, sh- I shared with you like that like film critic review where. They were like, oh, it's like they combined like Pretty Woman and some other film. What was the other? It says, my guess is that screenwriter John Madison, who would go on to write two sequels to Free Willy, wanted to do his own versions of Pretty Woman and Sleepless in Seattle, wrote down yes. about half a page worth of notes for each, then decided, <laughs> fuck it, I'll just combine them. It's so true. This movie is so wild. It's like very convoluted. So like the boys go to the city, they run into Melanie Griffith she saves their lives like inadvertently by like knocking over some guy that's holding them at gunpoint, which like the fact that the worst thing that happens to them in the city is that they get robbed is like a miracle because at like gunpoint. they are at it's gunpoint. Pretty bad. <laughs> but I, but the, but this man like comes over and like takes them into like an underground, like parking garage. And I'm just like, you know, like in the real, in the real world, they would have been chopped like up that was a little bit and never heard of again. Yes, exactly. So Melanie Griffith inadvertently saves them. She befriends them. They realize quickly that she's a prostitute. And then they tell her, like, oh, we wanted to see a naked lady. They get their bikes stolen. She 
agree. She has to like get some money because, you know, her her date with her John like went sour. So they essentially pay her the one hundred dollars in pennies to see her naked, but it's not really seeing her naked, it's just seeing her topless. Which is still grossly inappropriate. Like It's so gross. How did this movie get made? <laughs> it's so crazy. They're like eleven or twelve. It's so horrible. And then Mia and I were texting while we were watching it. So the movie, of course, goes on to have this romantic, you know, plot between Melanie Griffith and Ed Harris, which is facilitated by little Frank, which could not have happened if Frank had actually looked at her titties, which he opts out of. He hands around M&Ms to everybody and he closes his eyes while they're looking at her naked. And this is a crucial plot point. It's um, it's, it's, M&Ms. Well, no, him not looking. <laughs> yeah, him not is. looking is the is the only way this film works, and it does not. It also it doesn't work, but like it's the only way it works. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work, but no, because like because think about it. If he had actually looked at her titties, could he then see her as a surrogate mother figure? No. Yeah. No, could not. We could not come back from that. He can't moment. sexualize her. But it's interesting no. that that's the choice when. Adam Lavornia was over here fantasizing about his sister. So I know. Um, so Melanie Griffith gives them a ride home and then her car won't start, of course, leaving her high and dry at little Frank's house. And then she comes in to use the phone and she's standing in a very iconic way, like in the kitchen, like with the phone in her little hoe dress. And yeah. Ed Harris comes home from work covered in mud. And Frank is like, look, over there, it's a girl. Yeah. And Ed Harris is like, uh, okay. <laughs> and Frank is like, what do you say? And Frank goes, and Ed Harris goes, thank you. It's <laughs> cute. He's like, to her, to her. Ed Harris is like, oh, he's so dreamy. He's so charming. Um, he is so obviously, dreamy. like, he's smitten. Um, and As then they he have this be. really, yes. Oh, and Frank tells him that she's, does not tell him she's a prostitute, tells him that she's a math tutor, that she's Brad's new math tutor. And then the ruse begins. And you have many scenes where there are hilarious conversations where one party thinks that they're talking about being a prostitute. The other party thinks that they're talking about math tutoring. It just like, is so implausible. Like, the, you know, I'm sorry. I'm not. <laughs> I feel like you're getting into a funk about the milk. I, I am. You I'm are spi- getting into I'm a spiraling. Funk. You are spiraling. About well, I was spiraling while I was watching it. I was like, I remember it was like one of the ones I like live texted you. I was like, what the fuck is happening? All the stuff around like her value and like, Ugh. Uh, like, and, and how her value is compromised because she's a prostitute is like, yeah. Really sex troublesome worker, to me. You know? Yeah. She's a sex worker. Yeah. And when he finds out, it's like this whole like she's tainted thing. And um, yeah, I mean, Frank is is trying like tries to. Frank, I suppose, like sees past it and encourages his father to do the same. But she still has to no longer be a prostitute at the end of the movie. Yeah. For it to even be implied that they would maybe get together. And then they don't even actually get together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I do love Melanie Griffith in this movie. Yeah. I like... I love her. I... I 
in this in this time, like early '90s, I really liked her. Me too. Um, I've been very upset about all the plastic surgery and stuff mm. that she's done. I know, same. Because she had a moment in the early '90s, mid '90s, where it was like she is iconic. I know her voice. Everything. Everything. She was winning. Oh, my God. Her Antonio Banderas era. Hello. I know. I know. <laughs> they were hot together. Were together I just wanted time. to be in that relationship. I was like. <laughs> I know. Same. You know they had like Hard some of the same. steamiest sex that's ever been had by humans on the they face of the wild. earth. They had wild. They had wild animalistic wild, sex. Animalistic sex. You know they did. I had a big Antonio phase. Did you know that? Like junior high, uh-huh. I had a huge Antonio phase. She's wonderful. And I feel like this movie doesn't work without her. You know, it's hard to imagine someone else. Yeah. In this role. What you probably know, but I'll remind list, I'll like inform listeners who do not know, is that I'm obsessed with her mother. Tippy? Tippy. 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 Marnie's like one of my favorite movies, which I think you also knew that. I forgot that that's Tippy. Tippy. Tippy Hedren, iconic Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock. (laughs) Actress of the birds. You've probably seen birds memes if you're not familiar with Hitchcock's work where she's getting attacked by birds or she's in the phone booth, you know, that thing. But anyway, but you like her from Marnie. Yeah. Well, I like her from Marnie's everything, but like, yeah, but Marnie, um, it's just like a whole thing we should really unpack some other time. Cause like why I would be, why I would find drawn, why, why I would be drawn to her character in that film is beyond me. Like there are so many tropes about womanhood and the fragility of womanhood and how you need a man to come save you and from yourself and your mental health. It's just like, what? No, it's actually completely horrible. The messages are terrible, but Sean Connery is sexy. <laughs> And I mean, Hitchcock was doing the most at that time. Those, he those, was doing that the was most. like my favorite. That's my favorite Hitchcock era. Oh. Like that late Hitchcock era. Vertigo is like my favorite movie of all time. Tepe. Tepe. Who was alive for a very long time. Like, when did she's, she pass? Actually, she's still How alive to this point. Tippy is Tippi still, is still alive, alive at 92. So, you know, I have a theory why this is. I love it. Her name you know is Tippy. I have a theory that I just came up with. Her name is Tippy. That is an old lady name. So I feel like she's only coming into her full power now mm. at this stage of her life. She's coming into her full tippiness. She needed to. So, what the, so, that, so the thing to do is to give your children old lady names if you want them to live forever. Stella. Slash old man names. Eleanor. <laughs> Louise. Louise. Louise is a good one. Um, Gladys. Gladys. Good Lord. Lucille. I can keep going. Oh, my God. You're really churning them out. I'm very impressed. I try. You know. She's coming into her full tippy. She's gone full tippy. Yes. I love it. um, Was it? And Melanie was also married to Don Johnson before Antonio, right? Yes. Who's she married to now? She and Antonio were together a long time. I don't know who she's with now. Um, I know they. I know they're no longer together. Yes, I know that that sure. relationship imploded. She has not been remarried. She may be, you know, with someone, but she is not remarried. The only, actually, I, I feel like in first of all, the, the fact that oh, that's twenty years. That's why, because I was like, what? So, and they only broke up in twenty fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like it feels like way longer ago than that, but I guess not. 
Anyhow, for this couple. we took a little tippy, de- tippy detour. <laughs> tippy tour. Tippy tour. A little tippy tour. There's also, you know, there's also, you get two young girl characters, one of whom is like sort of dating Brad. Her name is Stacy and she's the she's blonde one. She's awful. She's the worst. Um, and then she has a brunette friend who, of course, is the the less, you know, desirable woman because she's a brunette. And this was 1990. And that's how you cast ugliness <laughs> you cast. in 1994. <laughs> and that's how you cast desirability in 1994. It was like, oh, she must be a white blonde girl. I know. <laughs> Rocky what? loves Emily. We'll get there. We'll Rocky get there. loves Emily. And she was... Not cute. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> she really was. She really oh, wasn't. She just didn't when have that back, je ne sais quoi. Come on. I mean, she wasn't. She wasn't. She wasn't. She wasn't unattractive. She had that je ne sais not. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. No, she was. She was unattractive. I'm putting it in writing. Oh, I'm wow. sorry. Apologies to the actress. You were probably going through like a rough puberty. <laughs> Rough, rough rough batch of puberty. I don't know. But I will say, so Jessica Wesson is the name of the actress who plays the worst, Blonde Stacy. But she's been famously MIA since 2001. Like, no one's famously? seen her. Yeah. Like, people post about it all the time. And then there are all these... Post, there are these like weird tabloidy articles where it's like Jessica Weston finally steps out, and this is from like two years ago, but it's not her, it's like clearly not her in the photograph. So, like, I wonder if there's some sort of conspiracy happening there. Okay, three things happened as you were telling that story. Oh my god, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Tell us, Tippy. <laughs> well, one was like, I was reminded. Of all the people who like go deep into culture mm-hmm. to the point where they would like know that or care about that. Right. <laughs> right. Like who's keeping tabs? Like who's on keeping her? tabs on this act child actress from nineteen ninety four? People. There are right? people. There are people. people. There are <laughs> who people noticed that she vanished that. in two thousand one. So that's, that's right. Like, that's like a separate thing. I was trying to understand and better educate myself about my own opinion about Emily's attractiveness. So I Googled Rocky Loves Emily. And there's a pop band called Rocky Loves Emily. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. (laughs) That's from Michigan and uh, started out in 2009. (laughs) Their music is available on Spotify. You're welcome. We go. Okay. (laughs) Excellent. But, I wonder if it's all like Three Ninjas themed songs. But back to the anyway, task at hand. The milk jugs Emily. and the pennies. The money. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to comment on Emily's track. No, no, I, I didn't even click. Waiting I with bated oh, I, oh, I'm sorry. I left the viewers hanging. Let me let me be conclusive here. Where, where? We'll go. We'll do a deep oh. dive with this. Oh, 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 yeah, right, right, right. Now, yeah. Mia, here, Mia. Mia, 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 no, stop for a second, stop for a second. You know how deeply kind-hearted I am and how I I never want to diss somebody's, like, looks, like, and she didn't do anything to me, but I had to, because look at her. Here's here's, here's, here's what that sound meant when I said it. 
When I made that sound, it was a remembering. I was remembering Emily. You know, this is a movie I've seen many times. This is a movie I've seen many times. And I was remembering, like, ooh, Emily. Now. Bro, bro, when we watch that, you will see the overbite. And you now, will no, see no, that. no, exactly. What, Bucky? Now, before. <laughs> <laughs> before I googled it, I remember that I remembered it actually. Before I googled it, I wish I, I and I almost said it out loud and I didn't. I was gonna say I'm remembering something about her mouth, and then I didn't say it. And even in these, in these pictures, it's not evident, so I can't. I, thank you for like solving that mystery in my head because I just was like, was there something about her mouth? But anyway, what here's what I will say about Emily quickly. I liked Emily and her appearance. Here's why. All right. She made teen love with these young boys when I was also a teen, a young preteen girl, seem accessible. It was like, wow. oh, wow. <laughs> it was like, oh, Rocky loves the woman inside, you know? I remember being like, okay, that's, and you know, the fact that, and here's how you know that we were all thinking the same thing. Unless you've had these conversations with other people about Emily. We don't ever talk about Emily like this. All we ever say is Rocky loves Emily. That's yeah. what we anchor on. Because mm-hmm. really, it's about the it's fact true. that he loves her. Like, as a matter of fact, this casting was genius to prove the love. <laughs> making the line. Making the line even more iconic. I'm, I'm being a dick because... <laughs> I have clearly bought into the Hollywood standards of beauty of it all mm. because I'm a dick mm. because I said that about her. No, it's okay. So I mean, look, it look, it's real. Like she was not conventionally within. cast, although she is blonde. She was not conventionally cast she as is. like the, the love interest. But also at that age, weird shit like that happens all the time. That's true. Like crushes are weird. And also, crushes are weird at that age. They don't actually no, follow. Like, this is actually also smart casting because it also traces that part of adolescence where, like, right. your crushes are about, like, proximity and, like, not necessarily right, about exactly. these, like, rigid it's not, societal no, rules. totally. Yeah. No, it's like, um, and I have to say, like, a lot of the time Hollywood kind of, like, presents these ingenues or whatever who are supposed to be, like, uh-huh. gorgeous or yeah. whatever. And I'm just like, no, they're just thin and white. Yeah. The other thing you like about you didn't like about Emily was her bangs. Her bangs are aggressive. Yes. The but (laughs) but they're (laughs) but they're appropriately aggressive for the time, you know? I know. In in her day in her day she was banging. You know what I mean? Like those bangs were banging. She had bangs that were banging. They were like banging the way bangs should bang for nineteen ninety three or whatever this was. We will get to it, but uh, another actress whose bangs were banging, and she definitely p- took a blow dryer to those, <laughs> was um, Shauna Waldron, who plays the icebox in Little Giants. Yes. We'll get to it. Yes. We'll get to it. We'll get to it, listeners. But we're here for the milk monies. I know. <laughs> sorry. My tangents. I can't, I can't. I can't help. No, but it's okay. Leave it all together. Um, no, it's okay. I will say, watching this movie through a queer lens. Through a queer uh, lens. The one thing, the one thing that I do appreciate about Jessica Wesson as Stacy is that they kind of have. Her. So, like, 
they kind of have her she's supposed to be playing it as though she's looking at Melanie Griffith like in admiration and like oh she's she's so sexual like she's really doing it she's out there doing it but to me it just reads like super gay like that scene where they're all the girls are on the, uh-huh. the bench in town and uh-huh. Melanie Griffith is like walking with uh-huh. her ice cream cone and they're just like her top is so low and her skirt is so high <laughs> that's bad it is. It's very, very bad. <laughs> um, the lines. Oh, my gosh. But Stacy is, like, Stacey's checking her out. I was like, okay. And she has that, she has that like, lesbian bitchiness. Yes. But, you know, you know exactly yes. what I'm talking about. That at that yes, age. you don't have to explain that. That, that, that like, is precise <laughs> to that age. Yeah. Like, yeah. girls who are bitchy like yes. that are all gay. Right. In that, and and not, not that all girls who are bitchy, Brad. period, are gay. Like, there's a specific kind of bitch that you exactly know. It's <laughs> I can't, I can't describe it any more clearly, but you know exactly, you know it when you see it. Right. And she has and it. when you get down to it, she doesn't give a fuck about like any of these boys. She does not. Honestly. That's she exactly cares more. I would venture to say, okay, this is queer text like through and through because you know what she is attracted to? The leather jacket. Mm. That is the piece de resistance <laughs> yeah. that she has latched onto. Yeah. That is the, the object of desire of yeah. this film. Yeah. When Brad is wearing it, she's like, oh, hi, Brad. And then when Frank is wearing it, she's like, hi, Frank. I really, and she's like, hi, Frank. Aren't you going to introduce us to your friend, Frank? I really like doing her voice. Anyway. And now that she's a lesbian, you know. She's a missing lesbian. She's a missing That is the title of our episode. Maybe people will, maybe the deep, you have to, you have to say her name a lot in the, in the, um, episode description because the people who are like deep into her yeah. I, yeah. I really want the people who are deep into her mystery of her disappearance yes. to like hear this podcast resurrect the search you know you know what i'm just gonna do i'm just gonna sprinkle jessica wesson like incoherently throughout the entire synopsis. <laughs> that's what i'm saying that's exactly what i'm saying do it so it shows up a lot a lot a lot so it like helps the yes. algorithm exactly yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, the algorithm, Jessica Wesson. When when she is found, we can all be proud. Okay. Yeah, we can. And then she won't be we the can. missing lesbian anymore. And then we'll have to change the title of the episode. That would be the best outcome. Wonderful. Missing. She's a missing lesbian, and then it'll be crossed out. It'll say found. <laughs> exactly. Found. All caps. All caps. Oh my god, I'm crying. Um. <laughs> um so I'm actually curious, like, I have a couple of top quotes from the film, but do you have any, does, does anything jump out at you as like, I think you should start. I'll catch up on your favorite quotes. Okay. Oh, okay. Here's, okay. Okay. I got them. There's a place okay. you can touch a woman that will make her go crazy. <laughs> Where? Her heart. <laughs> and then she goes, <laughs> <laughs> she has those little giggles she's kind of i will so like you know how big of a deal it is for me to say this she's she's if anyone she's the spiritual successor of marilyn yes a thousand percent she deserves it a thousand percent she is that she she should have been cast in everything that ever's been made where they've taken the people of the world and made them into Madeline or, or Marilyn's and made you mad, you know? 
that made me mad. Y'all have not seen Wrath until there's a new Marilyn. There's another one coming out, bro. Biopic, and it's another one coming out, bro. And it's miscast in Caitlyn's eyes, which are you know is is a a respectable eye. I'm not saying that to to to, thanks, man. To like you know belittle the sentiment, but basically you've got y'all have not seen Wrath until there's a new Marilyn biopic out. Because Caitlin is taking a detour. Caitlin is always dissatisfied. I'm always dissatisfied. It's like that Hamilton song. I've never been satisfied. I've never been satisfied. You're welcome. Fucking love that song. I know. It's Um, it's amazing. And I relate to it. I know. That song is my ethos. Like, I think that is me. I am the song. It makes me really just like, oh my God. (laughs) And it's Lynn's ethos, clearly. Like, that was clearly a deeply autobiographical song on his part. Anyway, we're going. We're ping ponging. Ping ponging. That's what we ping do. Ping ponging. Can I? Ping can I? Can I pong before you ping? Just really quickly, please. Yesterday, please I was interviewing a candidate for a role on my team, and they quoted Hamilton no. mid phone screen and sang, "Look around, look around, how lucky Wait. we are to be alive right now." And, bro, that's a huge swing. It's, it's a, a huge sw- swing. It's a swing. But you mentioned Hamilton. I just had, I just had to go back there before we move on. <laughs> I cried. <laughs> That's the story. Yeah, we can move on. <laughs> I was like, is this? I mean, I, I was like, is this applicant my spirit animal? They know that seeing singing songs in an interview is appropriate and that it means you automatically get an advance. Like, hello. <laughs> What the hell were we talking about? Hamilton. We were pinging for Hamilton. Oh, Marilyn movies. Marilyn movies. This is a new one coming out, y'all. Um, and here's the thing. So um, I don't know if you know this, Mia, but Joyce Carol Oates is one of my favorite authors. I can't believe she you're asking book. me that. I've gone with you oh, to her book readings. Oh, my God. I went I through a whole phase where every time she got a new book, I got it for you as a gift. You went to Kingsborough with me and saw her in her gothic... Realness. Beauty, her gothic beauty. I think she's beautiful. Beauty. She's like she's like a brunette Shelley Duvall. I was just gonna say Shelley Duvall. Oh my god, absolutely. We are connected. Oh my absolutely. god. Absolutely. Absolutely Shelley Duvall. So Joyce Carol Oates wrote this book called Blonde, which is a fictionalized account of Marilyn's life. It's it's fiction, but it's it feels so real. It's one of my favorite books of all time. I feel like it's very emotionally true and it's just really, it's one of the things that got me like so deeply into Marilyn and um, they've adapted it before. They did a TV miniseries with um, what's her face? Poppy Montgomery. It was okay. Now they have like an NC 17 theatrical version coming out with Ana de Armas, who I love. I actually love her. Oh, she's but beautiful. She, I just, she's did you, did you watch? Did you watch that last movie she just did with Ben Affleck? No, haven't. Ooh. I just love Ooh. her. She's stunning. Ooh. She's and she's a great. I think she's a really good actor. People give her a lot of shit. I think she's wonderful. Did you I see think... Knives Out? You you would love that if you haven't seen it. What's it called? Knives Out. Uh, no, I, it's on my list. I haven't seen it. But um, it's just a really good movie. She's amazingly yeah. hot. So that's a whole separate conversation. Yeah, she is. No, she is. <laughs> So, like, I heard about that casting and I was like, oh, intriguing. I'm excited about this because I just really like her. There's something I like about her. Um, And then they came out with a trailer, a teaser trailer, and it's a little weird. And again, I feel like all these attempts at Marilyn are like, oh, that's a good performance, but it's not Marilyn. You know what I mean? 
And I and I know that's like not. You got the same feeling watching the trailer, in the little in the, yeah. Yeah, and then people were commenting about how like she can't do an American accent, and I was just like, all right, like that's. You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not clearly as. um, uh, Fanatical. What's the word? Fanatical. Uh, or not, and knowledgeable about Marilyn as, as you Fanatical, are. Fanatical, tyrannical. But what is clear is that there's an enig- there's she's enigmatic and there's like this mm-hmm. perpetual mystery about her because she actually is in some ways unknowable. And yes, exactly. that's I think what makes any portrayal of her like so hard. It's like Right. Exactly. Like, you can't you actually can't do like you can't do you it. Can't it can't do be this. done. Exactly. Like, it can't be done. It can't exactly. be done. No. <laughs> so there's no, also to- that. Totally. And there's this, like, there's this essence of her. And this is why we're all, like, continually obsessed with her, like, even now. And that's why, like, children who are growing up now, like, still know her name, like, and could recognize her face. Like, there's yeah. something, there's just something, it's, it's just what you said, because, like, even her persona on camera was so different than who she was off camera. And it was, it's like, where's the real, like, where's the person? Like, where is that? So that's why she's endlessly fascinating to me. And that's why it's very hard. I will say, I will give, I'll give some due to, there's this, again, a really shitty, I think it was, I think it was like straight to video or something, or I don't know, maybe it was a mini series, but there was this, movie called Norma Jean and Marilyn and it was a two-parter and in the first part it was when she was Norma Jean this is like before she became famous and changed her name to Marilyn and it was Ashley Judd playing Marilyn and then in the second part when she's Marilyn it's Mira Sorvino she does her voice perfectly and it's frightening it's like fr- like if you close your eyes, you're like it's actually her talking. Like that's so creepy. Yeah. Um. So highly recommend that, listeners, if you're a weirdo who's into Marilyn, the way that I am. But I will be watching the Blonde adaptation, of course. I will. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, ping pongs, pinging and ponging, pinging and ponging. We got here, listeners, if you may remember, by just acknowledging that Melanie Griffith. Um, is the spiritual successor. Was a spiritual successor, and she actually has never been, to my knowledge, part of the canon of people that have been tapped to do a Marilyn portrayal, which is, you know, a missed moment. Agreed. Yeah. Um, So we were going to talk quotes, but why why don't we go back to the ending, like you said? We haven't talked at all about the pimp. Oh my god! The because when we talk top quotes, Malcolm <laughs> McDowell, and then Anne Hache as Betty, her prostitute friend. Yeah, in one of her There's earliest no roles funnier. or something like that. Like that was one of yes. her first roles. Yes, it was like one of her first roles. She's like deeply brunette in it. Yes. And then biphobia she... killed her career. It did. It did. It did. So, <clears throat> so you know. We, we said before, bees had to stay in Middletown because, or Middleton, whichever, because she's got a pimp on the loose looking to kill her. And the pimp is, like, closing in. Like, the film is just, the, the major plot is just that he's getting closer and closer and closer. In fact, one of the hairiest moments in the film, she's at a, you know, bodega, basically. And 
he walks in and almost asks her to her face, like, have you seen this woman? It's, and it's her. But she manages to get out of that somehow. It was, again, an implausible thing. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> Frank is like, hey, Mom, yeah. can I get this magazine? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just more absurdity. So hey, Mom, she's the greatest. So in this moment in the film now, towards the end, when Frank is going to his middle school dance, and it's like a big, you know, climactic moment hop. in the film. Huh? It's a sock hop. Sock hop, it's a there 50 you go. sock hop. It's a sock yeah. hop. Just to for just for good measure, the pimp and his like lackey or whatever. Well, actually, it's Anne Hesh. It's Anne Hesh, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, her his riding buddy, Anne Hesh, show up to like, you know, I'm going to the salt op, whatever <laughs> that is. It's so funny. Yeah, to go, you know, kill Melanie Griffith. V, and so drama ensues, like. Separately defending her honor, Tom gets into a fight at the dance. Is that all accurate so far? I think that's what happened. Tom gets into a fight defending her honor. Someone pulls a fire alarm. I think that might have been I think that might have been because the pimp showed up and they were trying to just create chaos. One of the kids pulls the fire alarm. So now everyone's spilling out into the streets while they get they make a getaway. And it's the it's the boys. It's uh Frank and Kevin and the Lavornia guy. What's his name? The Lavornia guy, Brad. Brad. And they make make a getaway for it. But, you know, they're like preteens that can't drive. So they're driving erratically. And they give chase. The pimp is 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 in hot pursuit. So he's like, it's suddenly an action film. It's like literally the craziest last like 10 minutes of this film. So now they're in hot pursuit getting an, you know, Getting in almost accidents every two seconds, driving through traffic, almost causing other accidents. It's all chaotic. And then they come upon a train track that has, like, a train rapidly approaching. <laughs> and it's getting even more feverish. It's like, oh, my God, like, they're all going to die. What's happening? Somehow they make it just across the tracks, just as the train could have clipped them. Um, but they must have still done some damage because the car basically explodes minutes later. But the kids and V get out. It's just all ridiculous at this point. Like, the whole thing is a mm-hmm. shit show. Like, it's, like, plot gone wild. Plot and pimps yes. gone wild. And the pimp was, uh, ugh, he was hoarding money in the car. Yes. It was like, and that's why it's it stalled out. And Ed Harris, like, finds it. He stashes it in a backpack, which is in the car, and then V like takes the backpack with her, not realizing it has all the money in it. Yes. And then the money is just hers. Yes. And she goes what back she to the city. What does she do with the money? Goes back to Middleton. She goes back to Middleton for what, Caitlin? She buys the Tanapaya wetlands. Is that what they're called? The wetlands. The local wetlands. The wetlands. The indigenous wetlands. They have a, the indigenous. Thank you. The the indigenous wetlands. That Ed Harris's character has been trying to save for his whole life. She she has a deed to the wetlands in his name. Yeah, in his name, like not not the indigenous not the, people from not the, the land came. Another plot point, like super fucked up. She saved How the day by it? taking indigenous land away from by continuing the cycle, <laughs> the cycle of white colonization. Oh, this film, this film. <laughs> Um, but then, P.S., she also 
bought the ice cream shop where they had their first date. Yes. And Which lets like, us you know, know that, that she's sticking shop? around. I bought it. <laughs> and then she has that iconic line, which you mentioned. And then she drives off in the car, like, waving to them. But it, it's like, oh, she'll be she'll living be back. in town. She'll be back. And they're going to see each other, like, tomorrow. So, Which, you know, I think was meant to be liberatory, even though nothing in this film is really striking that chord fully, right? <laughs> yeah. But, like, the this was meant to be an upgrade from the Pretty Woman scenario. Pretty Woman ends sure. with... Beautiful former prostitute, former prostitute, whatever. Julia Roberts, like, getting her man. But in a really icky romance situation, which is like, you are now basically his chattel, and Mm. he's going to maybe use you as a romantic sex toy whenever he wants, because you have no financial independence. This film is like, the way to make this love story plausible is to make her financially independent, that their love can stand on equal ground. That is a beautiful thing. Let's, wow, all, let's, let's honor that. Just that small moment of just like that small piece. That small piece. <laughs> even though she basically came upon her wealth by way of backpack, which is not how wealth is generated in this country. No. Or no. found. Wealth was generated through us. It's found. It's, it's found in suitcases, but not backpacks. Oh, wow. When do you ever find okay a loot in a backpack? I wish I did. Every single scene with Malcolm McDowell and Betty, played by Anne Hage, yeah, is quote is quotable. Yeah, and Matt Levitt and I used to quote those lines like all the time. Yeah, and Matt Levitt, by the way, we have not talked about this. Our dear friend Matt Levitt from middle school was supposed to. Well, I won't even say we had grand design. We had we had grand, grand plans. Designs. It's a rare condition of the grand design. Um, there you go. Yeah, we had grand designs to ask Matt Levitt to be our guest today. He declined. Do you want to hear what he said? I'm like so scared to hear it. I felt really upset. No, it's it's not bad. It was just kind of a womp womp moment. Like I asked him, he said, hey, it's good to hear from you, but I don't think I've seen that movie in 20 years. I barely remember it. Womp womp. That's what we do. We watch them again. That's the point. That's the whole point. And I didn't, but I, I definitely got the vibe that he really didn't want to do it. So I didn't want to push it. Yeah. You know? It's okay. But Not everyone's Chris Sewell willing to just jump on Not the nostalgia train. Not everyone is Chris train. Sewell, EDD, E-D-D. doctorate holding Chris Sewell. All right? Yeah. Not, not, not everybody's not up everyone's to the on task. that level. Not everyone's able, no. like, not everyone's a Logan Cooper no. willing to no. get up. And I you know what? Like, you can look back yeah. at our class and remember who the people are that would likely say yes to an invitation like that. Like, oh my God, left, so, like right. so they're so clear that at 11, Logan was going to join this podcast. It was clear at 11 right. that Chris was going to join this podcast. Thank you to you both. I guess Matt was a wild card, now that I think about it. <sighs> yes. Matt, I still love you. I hope we hang out. Um, but yeah, those scenes are so fucking hilarious. I'm trying to think of like the Betty lines, because they're all so fucking good. Oh, when they he, he has guess the no wait, there's the fight and the saw cop, and then he comes out and he's like, "What the bloody hell happened?" <laughs> she's like, she's like, "Well, some very small person took the car, but I broke a nail. <laughs> broke a nail. I'll break your bloody neck. Get in there. You're not even worth the price of a bullet." And then she's like, "Oh yes, I am. Oh no, you're not. Oh yes, I." Am. <laughs> Like, what is this dialogue? <laughs> Look, 
so kooky. I love it. I love that she just embraced the kook factor. <laughs> like, fully. It was so it was great. a mess. <laughs> and the way she screams in the car, like, what is that? I love uh. her. <laughs> Um, one of my other favorite quotes is when Frank says, I'm not talking about pleasure. I'm talking about you marrying my dad. That's really good. Oh. And then Stacy, of course, because she's, I think she's turning out to be like my MVP, my secret MVP of this film. Like, really? You know, her delivery is just hilarious. When um, I think she's with her mom in town and they're shopping. And it's when uh, Ed Harris and Melanie Griffith are on their date together and they're standing outside. I think Stacy's mom says something like, I wonder who that woman is who Frank's dad's with. And Stacy just goes, she's a hooker. (laughs) (laughs) And she continues shopping and her mother goes, honey. (laughs) Have we seen a progression in positive representations of sex workers in film over time? This is a great question. It's a really good question. I'm hard pressed. I don't. Well, I feel like the trope of the sex worker in like a rom com has kind of it had that was this was like the brief moment of that, right? The brief and appropriate um, moment involving children. Yeah, really. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the only thing that I can really think of is Pose. That's like there you go. The primary thing that comes to mind, just because you know how many times like we've both watched Pose. Yeah. So I often think of that. Oh my gosh, I'm fading. I'm fading fast. I same. And my my computer is fading. Um, All the signs pointing to shut it down. We got to shut it down. It's also been a little over an hour, so I think it's time. Is there anything else that you want to say, Mia? Is there anything else that you want to share? I'm going to look up what we're doing next time. Oh, we're uh, in the in the most epic. Devin Sawa? It's the, no, no, I think it's, I think next is the double. (gasps) Is it Three Ninjas? It's the, no, no. no, It's our, it's our, it's our double whammy. Like, go toe-to-toe. Like, like, we have to talk format. We got to get this organized. We got to figure this out. Like, should we do, like, one whole episode treating just the first film and one whole episode treating the second? Or should we we just, from the beginning, have a part one, part two, duke it out battle? I mean... I feel like it would be so funny if we prepared the way that we, you know, in, in oral the- arguments. Oh my god, opening arguments. Oh exactly. My god. Oh my god. Oh, but oh you're going to destroy me. No, I'm not. I have, I've never practiced. I've never practiced, and I never wanted to be. I never wanted to be a litigator. Those are the scariest kinds oh, of lawyers. Still, so I don't do you're that. S- <laughs> you're still gonna. You're still gonna destroy me. But yeah, I think that would be really funny. I think we so too. Like, like opening arguments and closing. <laughs> Rebuttal, entering things into evidence. Oh my god, I'm gonna make a whole thing. It's gonna be so great. Oh my god, it would be really funny if we got like a mediator. I know. I want to find someone. Yeah, that would be super funny. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna look think into about it. That. I'm gonna look into it. One thing about that. So, listeners, get ready for that. It's gonna be my girl, the original versus my girl two. Yes. And leave it up to you to guess who's on which side. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we're both on the side of Anna Klumsky. Let's just be. Until I saw her in uh, the Anna Delvey's. Uh, Why? Did you, have you seen it yet? The Anna Delvey. No, haven't seen it yet. Because she's annoying in it. Oh, all right. But as Veda, she's. At Veda, she's adorable. She's adorable. She's just an adorable human. 
God, oh, dude, like, you think that we're bad when we quote um, The Cutting Edge? We're going to be terrible with my girl. Terrible. We're going to be the worst. You want to go tree climbing, Thomas Shea? His face hurts. Uh, Where's his glasses? You uh, can't see without his glasses. Put his glasses on. Put on his glasses. Anyone doing that can make me cry, like, on cue. <laughs> no, me like, too. Like, he was going to be an acrobat. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh god! Oh my god! That whole oh. Do a titty, titty, top, titty, Oh god! <laughs> my ball! I lost my ball. <laughs> Literally the best part. Uh, of the movie. Oh my god! When she realizes that Mr. Bixley's like, bro, we can't talk about it. <laughs> oh we can't talk about it. We oh can't talk god. about it. Like, that whole that the, okay. You know how in, in Milk Money the last ten minutes are ridiculous and yes, it's those it's, ten it's, minutes it's, in, it's, in, in my house. Those ten minutes in my house. Oh, we see that we all right we'll talk about this that next time but like you know it's it's a it's a triple whammy a tri- for sure yeah. quadruple whammy <laughs> they packed it's a bad. punch man they really did they said you will cry they're like are you not crying yet here you go here's nothing. yeah here's one more here's thing. one more <laughs> you're Ooh, just speaking like, of like, just like hottie a old man crushes on the floor who is your Mr. who is your hottie old man crush Mr. Bixler. Oh, I can see that. I can he, see he's, that. He's got a vibe. He's got a good vibe. You know who I was into, which is like funny now, given who I'm dating. Dan Aykroyd? Who I'm dating. No. <laughs> um, his, is that his, is it his brother? Oh, or? oh, his brother. That totally makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I was like very <laughs> I much into his that. brother. Um, I can see that. I love that actor. Do you know that he's in the original It miniseries? I did not know that. He plays adult Stan in the oh. original It miniseries, so he's he's not a big role, obviously, because you know what happens to Stan. But yeah, yeah. Oh, these these movies. Can't wait to get into this world. I'm gonna be on a music far superior kick for it. I gotta get music. Oh, same. I gotta get musically ready. Oh my god. Oh, soundtrack from heaven. Heaven. From heaven above. Heaven. All right, listeners. Man. We'll see you next time. See we'll you next time.